Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Tori Amos Day on Soul Sisters. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the Soul Sisters out there. I am your host, Jesse Katz, and we have one of the most exciting guests we've ever had on the show to date, Miss Tori Amos. Um, I, I really can't say anything about her that you either don't already know or which you won't hear from the lady herself on this episode. Um, this was... A fantastic conversation. She was so present and gracious, and we went very deep, and we went through her whole history. And uh, man, yeah, it uh, it blew me away to be in the room with her. And uh, I hope you have the same experience listening to it. Um, she has a, a new song that's out right now called "Flicker" for the Netflix documentary Audrey and Daisy, and uh, it's it's an important film. And proceeds from the song go to an important cause. So check it out. Download it. And, um, you know, be, be part of the cause. I'm sure if you're listening to this episode, you probably already are part of the Tori Amos revolution. So enjoy this episode of Soul Sisters with Tori Amos. Tori Amos, welcome to Soul Sisters. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> That's a crazy sentence to have just said on the show. Um, we are sitting in a room at the Billboard office with um, several of our favorite colleagues who are also tremendous tremendous fans of yours so there's a lot of love for you in this room right oh, now i'm feeling it <laughs> okay good back. hi dora hi tori good to see you <laughs> what today. a privilege good to see you thank you um yeah i mean even just walking into our office just now we encountered nicole our art director who gasped earlier today mm-hmm. in our morning meeting when she heard that you were going to be here and then she just fortuitously happened to open the door for you <laughs> unknowing that you were about to walk in so, um, yeah, it's a special day for everybody. Well, well sometimes you, I feel like I'm meeting an old friend that I haven't met before. Yeah? but Is it ever yeah. disconcerting? Do you ever think, oh, I, I'm supposed to know you. Oh, no, you're just a fan of mine. No, you, I don't see it like okay, that. That's it's, good. We know each other, Yeah, but it's unspoken. Right. And you look in their eyes and they look in your eyes. And sometimes they'll just tell you something about a song and what it did for them and I've said this before but it's really true Mm -hmm. sometimes somebody's talking about a song girl that is from 98 say right and um how it affected her or his life and then music starts playing there's a new song getting created because they're telling a story that was inspired by that song Mm. but another song is being created in that moment that they have no idea for you in your in your 
brain and your mind yes. and your mm-hmm. spirit. Your new song is being created when someone's telling you about an other, an old song. Yes, and they have no idea mm-hmm. that their DNA is in that song. And the truth is, they never will, because. I won't remember in two years to tell Nicole, Nicole, your DNA is actually in this other song right? about Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) How constant is that for you when someone starts singing or saying something and that it triggers not only the memory of that song but a new piece of work? I mean, is that very constant or is it like flashes that are wonderful and then take you places i can't control it (laughs) i was trying to explain this to the bloody british tax man you know (laughs) you i can't just snap my fingers and the muses come it does not work like that there are songwriters that i do know that are able to go to their piano or their guitar their their music room Uh and they do work from say nine to five or what what whatever their hours are and they just start pushing it they they put structures together and some people um compose by math they're able to do that that's not my way in so i can't just snap my fingers and the songs come it is an organic process and i can't control it mm-hmm. so Sometimes husband is not crazy about that when we're having <laughs> date night and i'm saying oh no 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 it's it's it is coming. Right. It's just, oh, can't you tell them we're having to <laughs> <laughs> But you do talk a lot about the sort of architecture and structure of song. So you do have a sense. Sometimes you can approach it. You say, I, I know the elements that need to go into this. But in other words, you're saying it's not something that you can sit down and say it has to happen. It comes to you. The song. Dara's the musician among us, so she's <laughs> yeah. going to get I'm into this. I'm fascinated by yeah. your songwriting process. And you say a lot of times, you know, songs will chase you or you'll chase songs and you're the hunter that needs to seek them out. And if they come to you, it's your job to accept them and, and work with them. And that sounds, given how prolific you are, sounds like it must be happening to you all the time (laughs) and how does it feel when it doesn't I mean I have so many questions about that process for you it comes in waves and sometimes you have to take a pilgrimage to shake it to to um stir something and yes once the magic sometimes only two bars will come a two-bar phrase or and that's all you have but that's a seed that's your seed. And then what you're talking about is um, building structure around a seed. But the seed is the magic. That's the creation. That's the, that's the embryo idea. And that's, you know, when we're talking about creating life, whether it's a human being mm-hmm. or a creature or a song creature, then y- you have to have that, um, uh, well, it's almost like... Um, a blessing, and then when it comes, you realize there's a responsibility with it. Mm. So the muses will say to me, stop leading and pushing the seed to become something it doesn't want to. You're really imposing, Tori, now. You need to back off, Amos. (laughs) (laughs) Back off. Yeah. And so it's a constant sort of um, co-creation that's happening, and I'm talking my head off right now, and I I know that that's part of what your show is about is to talk. <laughs> but as a musician and composer, you have to shut the fuck 
up and listen. Yeah. You have to listen to what this being is showing you. And sometimes they take you on a journey for months and months and months. Sometimes all I have is, like I told you, a couple bars and I get another bar. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're just sitting there and bleh. It just comes and you say, how in the world did that happen? We were just having, Tash and I were just having some guacamole, and there it is, and she'll just look at me and go, you know, we were having our TV, our Netflix <laughs> moment watching. <laughs> there you go. And she says, okay, so we're stopping, I'm putting this on pause. I said, well, honey, somebody, something pays for your private school. <laughs> yeah, that's an important point. I feel like we were talking to an artist recently who was talking about why it's so great to live alone as an artist, oh, yeah. because then, like... Yeah, yeah, Jen Wassner, in the middle of the night, you can get up and have that idea and turn on the lights and go and crazy. And go play your music and, yeah. and make it happen. Right. It, it does happen in the middle of the night sometimes. And yeah. now you have your iPad, you have your iTalk, whatever it uh-huh. is. Right. And you go off down the hall yeah. and, and sing into it right? so that you don't forget the idea mm-hmm. till morning. Don't, correct me if this is, you know, I read this and this is not accurate, but... The idea of seeing it, actually seeing it as a, as in sort of a chromesthesia way of seeing these light structures. Is that part of your inspiration and your muse? Do you see it in actual, you know, in front of your face? Or is that more a metaphoric kind of poetic way of well, putting it? Well, each, each song is really a different being. And um, some show themselves... Uh, the muses were showing something to me once. There were these 11 um, women, and they were of all ages. Some seemed hundreds of years old. Some seemed 10. So they were female. And it was just a representation of the muses and the archetypes that you're working with. So I did see that visually, and... Um, even though it was in my mind's eye, I could see that. And sometimes, yes, the songs might take form. It could be seem like it's made out of water, seem like it's made out of ice, um, different materials. And yet sometimes it's just an energy that you feel. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I can't control what it is. If you're receptive and you're not imposing and needing it to be something, then it usually surprises me what they show me. That's cool. It reminds me of in Close Encounters of the Third Kind when the alien spaceship comes. How great And they just play those notes, and then we play the notes, and it's like the universal language is just sound mm. and color. Yeah. I'm just so struck by how that has must have guided your work as a songwriter and how you might see that as... Um, being different from how other songwriters work and what that would mean if you were, you know, talking to another songwriter, a younger person saying like, you know, but what if I, I you know, I have to write a song. They're asking me to write a song and it's not coming. That's you know? tough. And that's, it just, that's I, tough. I wonder how much that's really not been your experience because of your very unique sort of sensibilities. Well, we can all be under the gun. When I was working on the Light Princess musical and you were having to do rewrites really quickly and follow story and mm-hmm. um, the co-writer I was working with and am still working with Samuel Adamson uh, we would be talking about what is the plot where does it need to go and what do we not want to tell so you have to be really sure that you're not letting um, 
secrets. You're not giving spoilers <laughs> in the music because the music starts to tell you, give you information. And the music can really give you information. So you have to make a conscious – there needs to be a discipline. And you put it under that microscope. You really are um, – oh, no, you have to be very focused and say, is the music telling us something that we really don't – want to tell yet so that kind of process it, it is a different discipline mm-hmm. um, because you're having to answer to a collaborative team and you you don't want to let your team down and you also don't want to let the story down and so there are times when yes you have to write under the gun so to speak and and discipline yourself like that but when I'm working on an album and I have the freedom I usually I don't do that. Yeah. Hmm. I want to ask about your daughter, especially as it pertains to the fact that she is also a singer, right? And you've recorded music together. Yes. An incredible singer. Yeah. Voice. She's fantastic. How old is she? She's like 16? She just turned 16, yeah. Uh, okay. Does she have professional aspirations or is this a fun side thing she's doing with mom? I don't know. She writes her own songs now. Yeah. And it's her own style. Okay. And it's very, very different from mom. Yeah. <laughs> And Does she ask you advice? Uh, no. Okay. Because <laughs> no, because but, she's your daughter. <laughs> no, I, well, it's not um, advice. I think she'll she plays me her songs. Yeah, she'll pl- she'll play them for me, and yeah, she'll say, "What do you think?" And right. She goes, I'm thinking about doing that, but but also she's finding her own way of telling story, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes you have to back off as another creator and give them space to develop because she listens to all kinds of things yeah. that that I'm not exposed to or listened to uh-huh. and her voice is so different from mine I mean she's much more of a a mixture of that British that British kind of soul uh-huh. meets a folk um so folk soul <laughs> I don't know what you call it but but um yeah it's something that Mark and I are just watching her develop. And sometimes as a family, we'll jam. Yeah. We'll just, they'll pick up guitars and I'm at the piano and we just start jamming and playing old Beatles tunes or Fleetwood Mac. You know, sometimes we'll just do, do stuff. Yeah. Like I think everyone in this room is wishing we could be in that room. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what we've been doing since yeah. she was born. I mean, when I was pregnant with her, I was writing um, music mm-hmm. and it was, um, it was before certain songs were coming for Scarlet's Walk at that time, okay. just seed ideas. Uh-huh. And as a little tiny baby, I would put her on this little pillow that was strapped around my waist, and I'd play around her oh while she gosh. would sleep. So it's been something we've shared since yeah. she was, um, you know, renting a condo and mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if she decided to become very serious about pursuing this as a career what kind of advice you would feel like you could give her based on what you experienced breaking into the business or what ways do you think things are very different now than they were for you it's very different now yeah for musicians and my heart goes out to all those musicians because you know as a career path it is very difficult to monetize Mm -hmm. now to pay your rent so you have to think that through and you, you just do mm-hmm. because there there are a lot of um, art disciplines whereby you can pay your rent if if you work hard and you're successful. So 
the fact that this is the one industry, and Neil Gaiman and I have had this conversation. He said it's all very well for novelists to kind of sit there and say, we know what it's like. We don't know what it's like. <laughs> People are buying books like never before. Mm. And so it's, it is very, very different. And mm -hmm. when it hasn't happened to your industry, you can't have any idea the effect of it. I know musicians who have had to sell everything they have and, and take up another career, which can be difficult if they've been in the business 30 years and have to start again. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to scare mm -hmm. musicians. I'm trying to talk to all of you about the reality and the truth. And if you can't play live, you've got to find a way to play live because live is the way that, um, first of all, it's the fun, fun side of it for me, mm -hmm. and I love it, and it's magical. It still is. But yeah. people will come. Yes, it still is. But it's also people will come out and buy a ticket and come. And yeah. buy your merch, buy everything. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is now, right? That, I mean, that's what it is. Buying not the album, but buying the T-shirt. But buying, we don't want to discourage right. them from buying the album because but that's why <laughs> but, the packaging, we, we make sure the booklet. Mm -hmm. It's really about, I was talking to the record company the other day. I was saying, you know, the packaging, the booklet, we're doing a little book. Be, so that something can hold. And Tash look at me and say, no, I want to hold this. Right. I, mean, I really want to hold you, it. You buy a vinyl and there's a digital download in there because it's like the vinyl is art. That's right. And the, the, you're going to listen to music digitally. The digital download like, is your freebie. And then you support, you support the, the artist, artist by right. getting the little booklet. And that's, that's the trade-off. Right. And, uh, well... Have you felt effects of this? Everybody's Every felt effects mm -hmm. of this except Adele. <laughs> <laughs> but she just happens to be where she is at the time right now where she's in a position to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are at your zenith and it's happening, then you can choose to make that decision. But when you're, when it isn't, you know, everybody has, usually there is that time when you are the hot thing. And when you are the hot thing, and you are not always the hot thing forever, no matter who you are, um, and yes, you can have a, a, a career and a 30-year career in the industry, but there was a time, I remember, when Bruce Springsteen, there were girls in school leaving home to chase Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I remember this very mm -hmm. well. <laughs> And they think, oh, he's singing about me. I'm Wendy. Wendy, let me in. This was Wendy Nelson, who I love. <laughs> and she would say, I'm running off. He's singing about me. And I'm, going, uh, I'm only 12, but I know he is not. He should be. <laughs> he should be singing about you, Wendy Nelson, but I don't know if he is. But see, and Bruce, amazing performer still out there, great um, part of our history. But when you are in that place then you can make certain demands. But for most of the musicians, um, if they're being honest with you, everybody has felt it. And, mm -hmm. that, and that trickles down. Yeah. It really, really does. To your studio musicians, to studios closing, mm -hmm. to sound engineers, anybody in music knows what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't find ways to um, make the industry strong and healthy again. We need to find ways and to support our musicians. I really believe we have to support them. Right. And the answer is not to produce less. It's almost, it's, is it to produce more? Is there other ways of working around this new problem? And if we're being specific, we're talking about 
digital music streaming. and streaming music and not having to pay for music. That's right. That's I mean that's so. But I'm not. I don't want to make you feel guilty about streaming your music. Everybody, I I understand it. I understand. But that doesn't put food on the table for these musicians. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie to you about it. So the the record companies and. You know, I've slept with all of them. Um, <laughs> not physically. Right. Not physically. Never. In the business. No, but you've been, yeah, you've the been with many yeah. labels. and yeah, 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 yeah. I know them intimately. But anyway, the thing is. For better or worse. For better or for worse, yeah. But see, they do their deals. They do their deals with the Spotify's, with the Apple Music, with Bob Burdock. They They do their deals. But it doesn't really trickle down. And and that I'm speaking out about it because it's wrong. It is wrong. And they're all getting away with it. And it's not just the, the evil record companies. It's, it's the digital downloaders, too. So you just need to be aware that that's going on. And for those thinkers out there, people who like a puzzle, I'm asking you to put your clever little brains on how to make it interesting again. Yeah. Because and and fair, I can't just walk in a wine store and put it in my purse. <laughs> but it's the same goddamn right. thing. And if you all don't think it is, you're lying to yourselves. Now I love you, peeps, and I've always <laughs> said, take the music, come buy a T-shirt. But that's fair because I'm not going to do it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I do, then I need to find a way to honor you. It's about honor. Yeah. And and it also it's about us being. Um, you know, we're we're supporting the arts. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that are keeping. We work for the public. Do you see? We really do now. That's what it is. Right. Well, that's a general problem in our cu- culture that we don't value paying for the arts. I mean, that's a broader topic. But I think it's not ingrained in us anymore to want to want to pay, to want to pay taxes that go towards the arts, to want to pay for music, you know. Yeah. They go hand in hand. I just yeah. think the brains <laughs> out there, it'd be great. I think we all welcome you to think it, think it through. And we're just, we're in a transition period, I think. Mm-hmm. So if you're a musician now, that's just what you're having to work through. And maybe in five years, there will be shifts. And we'll find another way right. to I mean, honor. I would hope that these companies are working towards a more equitable situation. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a puzzle. It's, it, yeah. it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. Um, well... Just in terms of other young women, be it your daughter, someone who's listening to this show, about how you break into the business, I think there are probably some things that are very universal that you went through, speaking specifically to being a woman who was carving your own way, and you certainly, if not invented, created this space that a lot of women followed you in, right, in your first few albums and that sound that we all kind of came to know and love through you. Do you have advice? Have you talked to your daughter or other young artists about how to do that, what you learned, what you took away? It was a very different time then because the that time was driven by record labels. And now there are different ways to take your music to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't want to partner with a label. But, but there aren't the same gatekeepers that's maybe right. as before. Yeah. There, are, there are other ways to get your music out there, and a mm-hmm. lot of people are doing it. What I think is so important is that uh, y- nobody can be you. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking over at another artist and saying, well, I wish that's how I sounded, 
that you can learn uh-huh. and you can listen back to yourself. We all learn from each other. Don't think that I wouldn't be listening to Robert Plant thinking, oh, okay, how's he hollering? I need to work on that. So you work on things, even people that might not seem like your kindred spirits, mm-hmm. and then you listen back to yourself. Mm-hmm. I always encourage musicians, you must listen back. And they, they might look at me and say, but that, that seems like I'm conceited. I said, no, this is your craft. Writers reread their work mm-hmm. and reread and reread and reread. So you need to perform it and listen back. And you need to be a tough critic. Yeah. You, ne- you need to know how to listen to yourself and then how to make those changes, how to work that microphone. Um, and then you begin developing your unique self. And that's the thing. So you need to be Jesse, mm-hmm. and I have to be T. Mm-hmm. And if I try and be Jesse, then it's disingenuous. Right. And people know that. But it does take time to find your style and to evolve. Yeah. And you, it's okay to try things. Also, we've spoken to a lot of young artists who face this problem where when they're breaking in, they'll sign with a label, and the label really wants them to sound like Taylor Swift meets selena gomez meets whoever and so they try to make themselves sound like that and then it doesn't work out and they have to part ways because they can't do it no that's that's called artist death yeah Mm -hmm. no they will they will destroy you Mm -hmm. but this is where the game hasn't changed i mean i did a thing called why can't tori read you can find it (laughs) and that was me image wise too that mm-hmm. was me chasing the idea of a commercial career because I was just had to get out of playing piano bar. Yeah, after so many years, you did some acting too. Like you were really oh, Dorothy. <laughs> that up. Yeah, yeah, my Helen Mirren moment. <laughs> yeah, no, the young Helen Mirren. Yeah, 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 yeah. In my shoes, maybe in my dreams. But um, no, the thing though is, I had to fall on my face. Failure it can be a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I really encourage a bit of failure. Um, Great lessons are learned there. And then coming out of it, while I was on my knees, because of how I had to see how the industry treats you when you fail. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, it's (laughs) your pariah. You you really have um, an illness that nobody wants. Yeah. Art, some kind of ooh, you're a failure artist. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to come near you just in case it rubs off. And so there was a real lonely period for me and um, self-loathing, and pain. It was painful. And um, do you think that's more so for women than men? So well, I know they say like in the film industry, if a woman director has a flop, that's often death for her. Mm-hmm. But if a male director does, he's usually given a second chance. And I've heard that about different parts of the entertainment industry. That might be true in the film industry. I I don't really know. I only knew my experience at the time, if I'm honest with you, Jesse. And so uh, a friend of mine had a piano, and I just went over to see her and played for her while she was smoking pot one night. Mm -hmm. And um, she just sat there maybe three hours, and she just looked at me. In this moment, she was absolutely my Buddha, and she was channeling this advice, and she just said, why are you running away from who you are? This is what you do. And why can't Tori Reid, you weren't playing the piano? Yeah, I was playing keyboards, but... but In a different way. But the songs were very much... We were, we were going after a uh, 
more of a pop rock sound. Mm -hmm. And there's songs on that record that I hold dear, but it was more the image, Mm -hmm. too. It was everything interconnected about a sexuality and and that you have to... um, present yourself in music with that sexual that pop rock sexual thing and once I was on my knees I realized you know I if I'm going to talk about sexuality and approach it I need to do it from a place a soulful place for me that is real I can't be what the record company thinks a woman should be projecting I Mm -hmm. need to find that for myself you Mm -hmm. were signed to that record label before before why can't Tori Reid was really formed and fully realized or was it after like what were you signed as I was at when I was signed they it was more of a pop rock type of image that they were going for did you have a demo that they said okay we want to sign you like how did you get signed well we had demos but Somebody signed me that I'm still great friends with, Jason Flom, who signed Lord. But at the time, he had he'd signed Twisted Sister. And, um, <laughs> and he was a real rock guy. And I loved and adored him. But at the time, Atlantic, it was more of a commercial um, record that they were going for. Mm-hmm. And across town, there was Tracy Chapman doing her thing at the guitar. And you have to remember that Women at the piano singing songs like Little Earthquakes became, mm-hmm. that that wasn't being embraced yet. Mm-hmm. So when I turned in Little Earthquakes, um, the response was from the powers that be, we need to take all the pianos off and put the guitars on. And so then what's so great about Why Can't Tori Read is because I went through that. Mm-hmm. Then a few years later when I was presented with that, I said, no, no, no. No, that's not happening. Sell me. Thank God. Sell me. You said, I will, I'll, I'll get out I of this. I said, like, sell me. You, yeah. you guys have been selling women for thousands of years. Sell me, <laughs> sell me to Gary Gersh across right. town. Right. He'll take me. No. Was I, that an empowering? Were you like, were you saying, oh, I'm really putting myself out there saying this? They might, you know. No, I said it to m- Doug Morris, who runs Sony wow. right now, who I must tell you, <laughs> I, I love and adore. He'll say, Tari, what are you doing with your career? Tari. <laughs> He brought me Still back. Still says that? Oh, yeah. No. He, it's 2009, 2008. I went back over to uh-huh. be with him at Universal. And I was with him for a while. But then he left to go run Sony. Okay. And so, but I'd already been sleeping with Sony a few years before. <laughs> so I'm saying, I'm staying here. Yeah. But but the point is, he, then I went and produced this with Eric Ross, four tracks that then made Little Earthquakes with Precious Things and other songs. But and it did evolve because of that moment. I think Little Earthquakes became a better record because he put his foot down and said something's not right. He was trying to find the right answer by saying, "Let's take the pianos off and put guitars on." But then it was, "No, you go produce, go with your people, f- whoever you want, but give me more songs." Mm-hmm. And I did, and he got it. Then he got it. So it was about sometimes you have to fight for something as an artist but you don't know what the answer is Mm -hmm. but once little earthquakes was in the world and coming out of you you understood that this was it this was what you had to fight for you you felt right yeah yes but i was fighting for it before i added the extra songs thinking this is it and he was saying to me this is not it so sometimes it's you're neither of you is exactly Mm -hmm. Correct, but you're both fighting for something you just don't know 
yet where the project is leading you. So that's why it was so amazing having Doug in my life at that time because Mm -hmm. he wasn't perfectly right and I wasn't perfectly right. And that's when you have an interesting collaborator um, relationship with the dudes. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> so, there, okay, there's a few things I want to get to, but where are you right now in the album making process? Are you working on one? I'm working on one. You are? Okay. Yes. Anything else you can tell us about <laughs> that? <laughs> Uh, okay, people can be excited. I'll tell something's you, happening. I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. The album might be a very different album come November 8th. Than it is right now. Well, you're saying depending on what oh. happens November 8th. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. God knows. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Can oh, yeah. I... Can I guess that if Hillary wins, it won't be a very different album? <laughs> well, I know where it's going if she wins. Okay, got it. I kind of know where we're going. <laughs> yeah. But it, if if Donald Trump becomes the president of the United States, well, that buckle, your, a- buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. Well, you already don't live in this country, so well, you I have to at least time. make a great protest album I, for I, us. Yeah, I split time. <laughs> I'm a voter. So you do still vote, you here. vote here? I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a British citizen. Okay, good. I love. The I mean, Brits. not good. You're not a British citizen, but I'm glad you still vote. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an American. Yeah. yeah, I'm a Floridian, which is even. You oh, know, it's and, a very important vote. Very important That's because great. I voted for Nader instead oh, of Al Gore. Uh-huh. And this is what I want to tell people: You think you're making a protest, and I feel guilty about so that. You're because... a repentant Nader voter. <sighs> well, I'm repentant. Well. <laughs> The consequences. Everyone lay your cards on the table right now. <laughs> we have. You have to look at your co- the consequences of trying to make a statement. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, okay, Ginger Ninja, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> and, and then, yes. Yeah, so thank us Floridians for Cheney. Thank you, and George George W. But the thing, but this, and and all the decisions that got made that are affecting us today, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you have to just say, "What are you trying to accomplish here?" Yeah. So, were you a Bernie supporter who's now throwing your hat in with Hillary? Tashes feel the burn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> you. I mean, if you uh, want to be that crusader going out on a limb for, you know, trying to make a change that is very hard to come by, you probably wouldn't. I'll I'll tell you, there are two people running. That's where we need to be right now. And I feel like we're ready for a female America. We're we're ready for Madam President. Yeah. 
Also, Sarah Silverman Silverman made a good point I saw her in Chelsea this week, and she said, you know, the people who change the world usually aren't the president of the United States anyway. That's an interesting point. She said at least vote in someone who's an ally Mm -hmm. to someone that you think is a real revolutionary. Good point. And we'll work with him. Yeah. Mm yeah. Can I just ask a little bit about the piano and your relationship with the piano? <laughs> I know, I mean, it's such a, a big question, but I just, if you have a memory from being five years old, seven years old at the Peabody Institute and just what it was like, I mean, and you've gone now your entire life, your entire career having this fortunate friendship with the piano, whereas I think a lot of musicians, it's it's harder work, I want to say, or maybe not. I don't know what the work feeling, work versus ease versus friend you know relationship is with you and has there ever been a point in your life where it hasn't been easy and it has been a challenge to sit down at the piano or music hasn't been coming even if you're just like sitting and noodling like your relationship with the piano just fascinates me and how easy it was from such a young age well it's it's easy and it's not easy I mean you you have to putting all kidding aside you have to really have your chops up and that takes discipline to really um, have dexterity and to have the strength and the core strength in your being in your body that's something you have to work at and keep working at Mm -hmm. and if you let it go for a few months before recording in a tour then you have to build that back again that's why right now my niece she's oh god She's my strainer, and we're she's tr- um, getting me in shape again. She's in her 20s, and she'll look at me and say, come on, bird, let's throw down some beats. <laughs> and so we work out to rap music. I have no idea who I'm listening to. Awesome. I'm sorry. I have no idea what I'm listening to. Do you I'm enjoy it? it makes, Are you a casual you rap fan? No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I'm listening to it in a different way. Yeah. I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, that's what they're doing rhythmically in their voice. I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it does push me to want to break a sweat and yeah. push through the pain. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to digress about the question with the piano, though. So sometimes she is the taskmaster, and you have to, and all musicians know this, you have to put the time in vocally, too. You have to, you, you have to put the work in. But then you're talking about they're the magic of it all and what is tough and this is just true is is when nothing's coming as far as new material and that's something we all go through it's you're not immune to that no no one is no one is um can i ask you what's happening with the light princess as in this was actually one of jen's burning questions for you (laughs) is it coming to the states (laughs) well and let me this just is a say, musical. yeah, and you've talked about it being a feminist fairy tale and that it addresses the abuse of the patriarchy. And we're having a very big topple the patriarchy moment mm-hmm. in this country right now. Jill Soloway screamed it at the Emmys last week. And uh, so it, it seems like it's a great moment for you to bring that here. Well, to be honest with you, I just had dinner with a couple peeps last night. Uh-huh. And there, there is um, there's an energy of people wanting it to come and to have an American production. And so that's very exciting. So if everybody just sends light our way and okay. keeps putting that torch out there. If you pray for it to be so. Yeah. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, she's floating now. She's past Iceland. The light princess. She's, she's 
Coming close, I'd say, to the East Coast. I can see her in the distance. Okay, fingers crossed. Um, I do want to say, I mean, thinking about that, when you said about the patriarchy, I was thinking about how we also spent a lot of time talking about the female gaze these days, and, and Dar and I talk about that, and we spent a lot of time talking about the show Transparent, speaking of Jill Soloway, and I was thinking about how your music has always done such a good job of that, of making women be the subject and not the object. It's kind of the perfect example of what we talk about. The female gaze is still something that we're trying to define. Mm. Um, but but your music is a really good way of getting into that and understanding that, you know, when you think about a song like, like Katy Perry singing Teenage Dream, I mean, I love Katy Perry and her songs are great pop songs, but I don't necessarily identify with a girl who's singing about herself from a very typically male perspective of what a girl looks like in his fantasy whereas when i listen to your music it's like oh this is a lived in woman as i right. live and her and recognize her it's probably it's hard to wrap your brain around that because if you're a female and you're writing songs how is it not from the female perspective yeah, but it's and, not because we but it's we have learned so internalized to, yeah a way of and just the tropes are there, and so it really has to be a little bit outside of the normal realm. Was that get- an evolution for you? I mean, do you feel like your early songwriting was a little bit more adherent to the traditional way that we write about ourselves, and that you at some point became conscious of that, of breaking that down, or you just always naturally? My early, early, I was truer yeah. to what I think became the songwriting and the songs that you all kind of met me at that point. But there was a midpoint Mm. where I um, betrayed myself and I started to become more like an L.A. jobbing songwriter. Mm. And I know some of them and I, I, I adore some of them, but it's a specific type of writing um, for the industry and it's a commercial type of writing that, yeah. you know, not everybody is encouraging you to rip your skin off and talk about the monsters that live underneath and yeah. and and the vulnerability that's underneath. So there there are different um, uh, there there are different ways to express yourself in songs, and I don't choose to denigrate female writers or male writers that are objectifying themselves it's their choice Mm -hmm. if they choose to do that yeah Yeah. totally so how did this project with um audrey and daisy the new netflix film come to you i mean you have a beautiful song flicker at the end of this very very powerful challenging hard to watch but yet ultimately with a good with an uplifting ending that's you know possible um how did this project come to you? Because it seems like a very good fit, you know. Well, Netflix sent it over, and when I watched it, I couldn't move. Yeah. I was completely slayed. So uh, that rape to young girls, high school girls, three, I mean, multiple. 14, 14 years old, Audrey, 14 years old, Daisy. And Audrey is not with us anymore. Um, her story is... Um, one of the sexual assault that happened at a party and she was uh, unconscious and they then drew all over her body in permanent ink and said things 
with arrows all over her, then took photographs of her, then put it up. And then the comments, the the shaming and the pain um, was so much that she closed the door to her room and decided her life was over. And so she ended her life. You hear these kinds of stories a lot, not when they have that exact conclusion, but just we always talk about how hard it must be to be a kid at this time and thank God that we didn't have Facebook or social media when we were in school. And you still don't fully understand when you're having those kinds of conversations how fatal this climate can be. Yes. And I think the filmmakers have done a masterful Mm -hmm. job taking us on a journey of these two young women and what they went through, what their families went through. Daisy, whom I met yesterday. Oh, wow. uh, And what an inspiration. Yeah. Daisy is to me. And the fact that Daisy, yes, she tried to commit suicide three times after her tragic incident. Um, She survived. And so she took herself from a victim to a survivor. And she is um, inspiring people. She's strong. She looked me in the eye and she twinkles. She's becoming um, a tattoo artist. Yeah. She's an illustrator and she's decided to, um, she's illustrating her body with art. And I, I, f- I find being in her presence um, uplifting. And the song Flicker, the muses uh, visited me with the idea you need to bring the Valkyries. You need to bring Furiosa, Mm -hmm. the land of many mothers, redemption, and fire, Phoenix out of the ashes. And it was very important that the song honor and acknowledge Audrey's journey, and some lights, they they do flicker out. They they don't always reignite and find that flame, and it's something the song is holding that and honor and respect for what she went through. And her mother has been out. I'm meeting her very soon. Her mother has been out standing in for Audrey. And if one person can learn and have the discussion and be aware, then that's how we honor Audrey. Hmm. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song. It's also a very you song in a great way. I mean... in addition to the association with this beautiful film, I think it's just great to have an awesome new Tori Amos song back oh, out thanks, in the world ladies. that your thank fans you. can be excited about anyway. But I know proceeds for this song are going towards a cause, rain, correct? To, to rain. rain. Yeah. The Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network that I've been associated with since 1994. Mm-hmm. It's America's leading rape crisis hotline. It's right. online as well. Okay. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. When does the film come out? Uh, This weekend. It'll be on the service Friday. So by the time this posts, it's out. So check it out. Audrey and Daisy. Audrey and Daisy. And I will say, yes, there are parts of it that are a tough watch. But if if you take the journey with the film, the filmmakers do do take us to a point of, okay, 
it's it's a discussion we need to have as grown-ups and it's a discussion that teenagers we need to encourage mm-hmm. them to have this conversation mm-hmm. it's beautiful um i don't think we've ever had a man speak on the show before but everett is in the room and he brought in some special and things did. while we were I talking well you mentioned um, here everett come over here and, and okay. talk into this Everett is a true ally to Soul Sisters everywhere, so I'm I'm happy to have him be our first male voice. What did you What did you bring in here? Okay, hi all. Story. <laughs> so I brought in. I grew up playing piano, and I learned that actually because my oldest sister Marlena played piano. And there was this artist called Tori Amos. And I hadn't heard real music before. I was still listening, I think, to Spice Girls and things of that nature, which were fun and festive. But um, then I experienced Tori, and it was transcendent. I don't know how to describe it, but when I heard your music, it just sounded timeless and at the same point so unique. So they brought me into your world, and I'm so grateful for that. And then she ran over last night and said, you have to bring the songbook in and then these in. And I can't tell you how many people literally, as soon as I messaged yesterday on Facebook that we were going to do a Facebook Live with you, said, you're kidding me. You have to tell her I love her. There's so many. And so what must it be like to kind of have that effect on on fans, even to this day, that they've been with you through all of this? I mean, from even Why Can't Tori Read, but Little Earthquakes. and I picked up your, I was like, oh, here's her book on my shelf i wanted to reread this yes. week it's like it's you've been a part of our lives throughout the decades now well, thank you for yeah. letting me and the songs be part of your lives but it is it i don't i feel like we're all family i know that's a little bit kitsch but there is something when you share the songs together because in order for them to come mm-hmm. some some of the songs i've had to crawl to get mm-hmm. and I out of my humiliation out of certain relationships not all not always just boyfriend relationships but sometimes it's friendships friendships being tested friends feeling betrayed friends feeling like well you've taken your mom now we don't go out anymore <laughs> we we're getting older. Oh, and menopause. <laughs> Kids, you have no idea. Oh, my gosh. I just saw a very in-detailed commercial about menopause, and I literally had never seen that much information about it in my life. <laughs> then, it'll never be the same. Yeah, and but Everett, never... has anybody talked to you about man-pause? No. Oh, that is real. Pause. No, that is real. No, is that it? is absolutely, and that's what people need to understand. Oh, no, no. No. no, it's can yes, it will happen. It's okay. happening. <laughs> I'm gonna have a man pause. Yeah. <laughs> but still these different things that you go through in your life and other people are going through their things and sometimes you just meet at a coffee shop somewhere in I don't know, Italy, and somebody just comes up to you and starts talking to you and you feel as if you've known them. And they know you mm-hmm. and we share something in that moment and trade something. And so, therefore, yes, on one level, we're not friends. We don't know each other. But on another level, we do understand the same experience and so have shared the same feelings. And then we do, we have a, we bond. Very interesting. I love it. Super fan number two, do you have any (laughs) final burning questions while we're sitting here? 
Um, so I was a, a pretty dark child growing up. I, I mean, I had a lovely childhood, but I was a dancer and always was very drawn to really dark music. My parents were very concerned when I danced to Everybody Hurts. They just mm. didn't get it. Um, so listening to your music really let me understand that it, it could all come out through the art and I could dance whatever I needed to mm. do and then be a person. And, and the same thing with the, the muses. I feel like I would just stay up at night and choreograph to your, your songs and could just be like a whole person. Fascinating, Jen. I, I think it can be tough for um, even not just in your teenage years, but 20s. Well, let's not put an age on it. <laughs> Whereby you, as Everett say, people see you in a certain way, whether it's sunny or bright, and then you feel like sometimes, but there's another side to me that people don't want to see because in the family or in my friendship circle Everett holds this archetype Mm -hmm. so he holds Apollo but what about (laughs) what about Dionysus or Dionysus Um, what about I need to explore that what what about I need to explore my Jupiter or I need to explore my Cronus there there are or and Saturn those those energies that sometimes we shy away from. Oh, it's lovely to talk about. Even Mars is kind of hot. So we'll talk about that. But Saturn, the, the authority, the discipline. But no, we all have a Saturn. And so sometimes it is exploring um, the patriarchal self that lives within. And that happens working archetypally and working through the myths. And I had a lot of guidance in my 20s to really dive into what the myths mean and the poetry our soul poetry our emotional poetry and you can be Jen who has say a lovely childhood but then you you almost feel guilty well I don't want to hurt my parents because I'm discovering my Persephone or I'm discovering my Demeter or I'm just oh you know everybody wants to play Aphrodite it's like honey okay there's a moment for that Santa there is a moment for for that of course balance in all things but we have to look at our Athena we have to look at our oh Medusa we have to find her because li- everybody listening you all have a Medusa but that doesn't have to be a pejorative mm-hmm. and you have a Medusa too I need to go find my Apollo mm-hmm. so we're looking at the animus it's so important as not just creators but sometimes we feel like we're betraying our friends and family because um the Jesse that they know or the, the we're back to Everett and and Everett says but you know they they want me to be a certain way too because this is this is the space I hold in the group mm-hmm. but I have to explore these other sides of self mm-hmm. it's essential yeah. to become whole I think we all feel that a lot of nodding heads yeah yeah um, all right. Well, you and Everett are going to go do a little Facebook Live. Okay. So, which will live on our Facebook page when this podcast posts. So you guys can go see them chat it up for yourselves. Um, and I mean, we could talk amazing. forever, but we can't talk forever. So <laughs> thank we'll you so much for having me. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you. That was beautiful. And um, Audrey and Daisy on Netflix. It's up Friday. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, when this posts. It's already there, and Flickr is available. Beautiful song. And listen to it and buy it. 
Buy music. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Big love. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.